spreading Cajun across the nation, pushing the brand across the land. Welcome to Ragin' Review, made by the fans, for the fans. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Ragin' Review podcast. Josh, Jerry, Nick, back at you for another exhilarating edition of the pod. First, I want to congratulate the girls for going over to Austin and taking care of business. It's always fun to beat the Longhorns, especially in their own house. Horns down, baby! <laughs> that never gets old. <laughs> and the brand ambassador agrees. Uh, that's a great win for the girls. Uh, they had a 16, Texas had a 16-game unbeaten streak. Uh, we didn't get a great start out of Lamb, but Shoreman comes in, has an absolutely outstanding performance. Take them to extra innings. I think it went to the eighth. I didn't see. I didn't see exactly, but anyway, we get a nice win on the road. Uh, maybe a season-turning win. Uh, they were the number fourteen team in the country. So, what do you guys think about that? Well, first of all, I, I didn't get to see the whole game, but I did tune in. I think around fourth or fifth inning, and man, um, they could have made the whole ESPN top ten. For, for the defensive plays that I saw later in that game. Absolutely amazing. Both teams just making some crazy, crazy plays in the field. So that, that was fun to watch. But, yeah, the big win. They finally got that top 25 win. Hopefully a sign of, of good things to come. Definitely shows our capability. And, you know, we're still very young. Still have a lot of freshmen. Still have a young pitching staff. But for Shorman to come in in relief and just dominate the way she did. And to, to go on the road and do it, being down four zero um, and to come back and, and rally in extra innings the way that we did, it, it could be a season, a season turning point win. I mean, I think you're right about that. Um, you know, they got a tough little, tough little rendezvous this weekend with, with, um, with Texas state, but I, I mean, that's, this could definitely uh, jumpstart something pretty cool, uh, pretty special. So it's always a good uh, win on the road in Austin, always a good win against Texas um, or anytime you beat Texas, but to do it the way they did it was, was extra special. And they finally got over that hump of, of beating a P five this, this season so far. Um, And I know a lot of times the youth has, has been exposed up to this point, but I think I think some of those those uh, those losses they took earlier to that type of competition has finally paid off. They finally learned from it. So, Jerry, why are you calling them a P five? That's a football thing. Come on, I'm man. I'm sorry. I say on, I just you know I know I know, but it's just it, look. Everybody knows what I'm talking about here. So I, yes, I am going to crisscross sports references, but everybody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> the privileged five. Uh, well, look, that's a good that's a good win for a young team, and like Jerry mentioned. They'll stay in Texas, go to San Marcos for the the uh, Sun Belt three game series, and that's a good team. They've they've gotten better over the years, so you know, kudos to the girls, and hopefully they do well this weekend. I uh, wanted to mention our Twitter space on Monday. It was outstanding, by far our most participated and attended. Uh, unfortunately, you know, being the novice that I am on the technology, I didn't press record. I double tapped it, and it didn't record. That's on me. My bad. But anybody that came in and participated, wanted to say thanks again. Unfortunately, man, we missed some great stuff. Javi DeJesus comes in and tells us some cool 90, 1991 stories from back then, Coach Bo and Coach Robe, some cool stories. Uh, he was cool to, to listen to. Hopefully, uh, he'll join some more and we'll have some other 
you know, guys that played back in the day, the days where we were coming up, um, that, that was some fun times. So, unfortunately, didn't get it on, on wax, as they say. But we plan on having another space. Hopefully, you guys can join for that, and we'll do another good job. We continue to get better. We're still kind of trying to find our, our niche in the Twitter space. You know, I'm one of the older millennials, so I'm not that technologically savvy, but I'm working on it. So just bear with me for a while. But you guys agree, that was a pretty good space, right? Yeah, dude, it's awesome. I love hearing the the other fans' perspective on things because sometimes we think that, you know, we talk amongst ourselves and we think we're the only ones who might have that opinion. So it's nice to hear people agree and disagree with us. So always good to hear, hear other uh, opinions out there. I'm just going to reiterate what Nick just said. It's always great because, look, you're going to have fans, obviously, that disagree with us, and this is an opportunity for them to say why. Um, at the end of the day, we're all Cajun fans. We all have different ways for rooting for our teams, and I think this Twitter space uh, kind of gives an open perspective of what other fans think, and, of course, it gives them an open uh, forum to ask questions, uh, you know, ask our opinions on what they think and start a conversation on that as well. So um, I've really enjoyed it so far. Uh, the reception's been great. We've been having a lot of uh, participants in our Twitter space. So to all of you out there who haven't been to one yet, if you do want to give your feedback, if you do want to talk Cajun sports, you know, we're going to try to make this uh, a regular occurrence. And so come join, come join and come talk some Cajun sports with us. And dude, I will I will not be disappointed if we have another former player join it. I mean, Javi was freaking awesome. Uh, loved hearing from him. So hey, former players, please come on. We love hearing from you. Cajun legend too. I'll, I'll further push. We treat those spaces like a post game show, and anybody can air grievances or make their comments, and that's when it gets fun. Especially when we have people that disagree. That's the best part. Uh, but you know, it's a good way to just engage people and. Just continue talking about the sport and the teams that we love. So we're working on maybe getting a tutorial out for the uh, the people like me who don't do well with the technology and the Twitter and all that. So be on the lookout for that. We're going to try to get that to you guys. So now we have some business to get down to uh, on a little bit more of a serious note. Uh, we had some things come out about the baseball program over the last few days. Um, it has been officially announced that Bo Bonds is not going to be available this weekend because of, quote, unquote, violation of team rules. Now, Lafayette has a, a knack for just taking a story that's pretty cut and dry and turning it into, a, you know, a soap opera. So we here at Rage and Review decided we would take it upon ourselves to be responsible and tell you guys what we know. And because we're able to talk to people that are close to the situation and close to the program, we're going to do it uh, in a way that we think is the correct way to do it. And if you're out there and you're thinking to yourself, what gives you guys the authority to talk about this or, or who you know who what makes you the arbiter of truth here well here's the thing I think that we've laid out groundwork and we've proven that we take these matters seriously we we report them responsibly and we're almost always correct I'm not saying that we're always correct but we're almost always correct so we're gonna go ahead and give you guys what we have so that Ragin' Pagin and the Lafayette uh, chit chat birds don't continue to make a mess of things if I were a parent, I would want people like us to talk about it rather than, you know, people hiding behind screen names and just throwing out crazy allegations. So we're going to start with Bo Bonds. There are, there are others involved, but we're going to talk, talk about Bo. Bo made a poor choice uh, this past weekend, and what we've been able to confirm is that he uh, unfortunately got a DUI on his way home Sunday night from a local watering hole. Um, you guys know Robe's standard on that. It was an automatic 
kick off the team for a year, a year suspension, however you want to look at that. Uh, we have not heard anything about Bo's situation. We do know he's not available for this weekend. Deggs has said that his policy on this is case-by-case basis, which we can have a, a, another conversation after we address everything about how Deggs handles things and how Robe handles things and, and ultimately how Maggard handles things. But Bo Bonds did get the DUI. He is not available this weekend, and, and we don't know his, his, you know, for the rest of the year, we don't know his status. We just know that that's what happened. Uh, there was some behavior after he got pulled, after that incredible performance last weekend, uh, that might have also added to the disciplinary action. We, we, we don't know that totally yet. Uh, that's to, to be de- determined. Will Veillon miss curfew, Max Marshak miss curfew the same night. Um, everything, all arrows point to these are isolated incidents. They're not, they're not related in any way. Um, and then also the, the fourth player that we need to talk about is Jack Clark, who's been kicked off the team. Supposedly, he and Ro- and uh, excuse me, Deggs had a couple of run-ins after the two-era outing in Round Rock. Uh, I think that there was some blame to put on both camps, but we won't speculate. All we know is is that Jack is no longer with the with the baseball team. Will was out with his girlfriend. Max was out with his girlfriend, and then Miss Curfew. So they didn't travel this past week uh, to. Who do we play? Nichols? No, Southeastern. Ah, I blanked on that. It feels like it was a week ago. Uh, but but that, that's, that is what happened. We know that for, for a fact. What, what I don't want to hear from fans and other people is the pearl clutching and the moral outrage. I don't want to hear that. We were all in college. We've all probably had a few too many and gotten behind the wheel. We've probably all done that. I don't want to hear the moral outrage. The moralistic people, can, they can shove it up their ass. I mean, honestly, I just... It's not, I'm not here for that. What I will say is that there were poor, poor choices made. There's a lesson to be learned here, and that's how I'm going to look at it. Is it unfortunate that Bo Bonds is not going to be available this weekend? It sure is, because we need him. We all know that. Uh, but we wanted to clear the record up, get rid of the rumor and innuendo. Bo Bonds is facing what could be a year-long suspension. Not great. But I don't want to hear the moral outrage. This, this is a learning opportunity for, for these guys. I think the larger conversation here is, how is Maggard going to allow Deggs to treat this situation? Because, uh, well, I'll tell you what. I'll let you guys make your comments about the four guys I mentioned, and then we can get into that conversation. Yeah, I'll chime in. I, um, so that's the first I hear of it because I don't go seeking those answers. I kind of just let things play out. And, and I think the, the biggest takeaway from this that I'm disappointed in is Maybe the way, and I'm not the moral authority of society, don't get me wrong, but I think the way that people behind screen names are able to attack our players, look, attack a kid on on uh, making an error, attack a kid on not getting a hit during that game, attack him on his play, um, but don't, I, I can't take the attacking kids who are 18, 19, 20, 21 years old making mistakes, and then and then sometimes just blatantly having false information and just throwing it out there. It, it hurts. I know that that sometimes, you know, when I was announcing, people would say stupid stuff on the forums about me and how I wasn't TD Smith, RIP TD. And of course I wasn't. I, I never tried to be. And it didn't hurt my feelings, but I was also 30-something years old doing it. Um, but these these are these are young men who chose to be here. So I think it's just disappointing to see some of our fans act like the fans that are on that 
that message board for the team that's 60 miles to the to the east of us. So um, hopefully that clears the air for them and hopefully that's out there and we can get rid of the attacks and, and the false information that's getting thrown out. Yeah, I think for me, it's more or less, um, you, you may, sometimes you make poor choices. It's that's what college is about. You're going to make poor choices. You learn from it. I think in college, it's that last step to the real world. I mean, that's really what college is. So sometimes you're going to go do something that <laughs> 20 years down the line, you're going to regret. Um, you know, these players made some mistakes. Uh, they made some poor choices. And of course, there's consequences to that. Uh, with that being said, I think there is a fine line, like you said, Nick, to criticizing them and making it personal. Uh, at the end of the day, they're, they're student athletes. They, 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 have, they do have obviously have obligations. If you're on scholarship, you do want to hold your end of the bargain and try your best to act in the best way possible, but sometimes you're going to slip up. Um, but really, regardless of what happens, you know, that's – look, Matt Dex, the head coach, he's going to make that decision. You know, Brian Maggard has certain standards. He's going to make that decision. And so, in my opinion, from a fan's perspective, we kind of need to let them handle that within the locker room. You know, uh, I don't have access to the locker room. Uh, you don't have access to the locker room. Whatever they decide in the locker room is, is how it's going to be. And look, if they decide on something, sometimes, you know, we can analyze it. We can disagree or agree. But at the end of the day, we're not the ones making that decision. That's up to Matt Deggs and that's up to the standards of the athletic department under Brian Maggard. So um, look, they made a mistake. They made some poor choices. This is the opportunity for them to learn from it and face the consequences. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Yeah. And let's not forget that we've had other players in the past, players that were beloved and local kids make some pretty terrible decisions and we didn't crush them and we didn't go out and slander them and we didn't lump them into a category of, you know, less than human. That's how they talk about these guys on the, on the boards. And, and I've seen some comments on other social media platforms that are just un, this is unnecessary. It's unacceptable. So let's remember that these kids have parents also, you know, as a person with kids, I speak a little in a little bit uh, with a little bit different perspective. I would hope that people like us would talk about my kid with a little bit of respect and some restraint. Uh, but that's just my own opinion on that. Uh, and it, like I mentioned, I think I think that Matt Deggs is in a very, I don't know. I, the predicament is something I would never want to be around because here's the thing. Matt has a history with substance abuse. Robe had a very stringent rule, and, I mean, there was, it was, uh, uh, what, what do you, no tolerance. There's a no tolerance policy. If this happens, you're off the team. Maggard's on record saying that he agreed with Robe, and I think that he kind of aligned with that view of how discipline should be carried out for that particular offense. If I'm Matt Deggs, I know that Bo Bonds has kind of become a key piece to the pitching staff, and he I know he's probably feeling a little bit of pressure to turn it around. But do you compromise your values? Do you, do you understand, take the temperature of the room and say, look, I, I have my own history with this stuff, Maybe I should act accordingly and just kind of keep everything in line from what Robe, the standard that Robe set. What do you guys think about that part of the conversation? It's it's his program now, right? So I get living in the shadow of Robe in itself is tough, but I don't think that there's a wrong answer, right? I don't think if he suspends a kid for a year, I don't think that's a wrong answer. I think if he suspends him for three weeks, that's not a wrong answer. I don't know. You don't know the specifics of exactly what happened. There could be more to it. But again, he knows the details. 
I'm sure he's not going to make that decision alone. He's not going to take it lightly, but no matter the decision, he's making it based on the situation and what he thinks of it. And again, the, whatever comes out of it, there's no right or wrong answer to it. It's going to be his decision. He's whatever it is. We just need to support it and support the kid. We need to support Bo more than anything because it's a learning experience. Don't trash the kid, support him, try to help him, try to get him better. So it's a learning experience. And like I said, I just don't think there's a right or wrong answer to this, whatever decision he makes. Well, I think you just nailed it. Um, you know, I think the hard part is, is a lot of times we still have trouble understanding and realizing that this is now Matt Dex's program. Um, and, and look, everywhere you go around UL baseball, Tony Robichaud's presence will always be there. Um, but at the same time, Matt Deggs is now making that final decision. And so I think this perception of what Tony used to do uh, when he had that basically uh, rule where you get suspended, uh, what is it, suspension for a year? If you get caught with a DUI, um, you know, that doesn't mean that rule automatically applies here. Now, is it justified? That's not for me to decide because I'm not Matt Deggs. But I do think there is a difference in these decisions now because, again, this is Matt Deggs' team. He's got his own set of rules. He's got his own set of standards in that locker room. And, again, whatever they decide inside that locker room, we as fans, we're, we're kind of on the outside looking in. So, um, again, I just hope – I just the main thing is at when all this is said and done, I just hope these players learn they, – they learn their lesson, right? Let this be a learning experience more than anything, um, you know, regardless of how valuable you are to the team, regardless of how much of a difference it makes on the field. I hope that they learn whatever consequences they face – of what not to do next time. That, that's the most important thing. Yeah, it's a life thing. You know, at this point, it's a life thing. But I will say, come on, Bo. Bad timing, man. You just went out and had a performance for the ages. You know, you, you, you established a position in this, in this pitching staff. Terrible decision at a terrible time. You know, that's the dad in me coming out, the coach in me coming out. So, Dude, that's a greedy fan in me coming out, man. Absolutely. Like, what are you doing, right? But look, hey, Justin Gabriel, I mean, that's a story right there. And again, this, this, that was a different situation. But the kid sat out a year, then came back, and then went to LSU, and people were just hurling awful things at him, and he stuck it up their butt, right? So, uh, again, I just, I, I hope for the kid, I hope for the best, and, and we'll see where it goes. Lesson learned, lesson learned. Moving on, Southeastern which felt like a week ago for some reason. Um, what are your takeaways, guys? I mean, my takeaways real quick, great to see Shiflet pitching. That's three great outings from Shiflet, who I never gave up on. Check, that, check the archives, everybody. I, never, I, I was a Shiflet guy through and through, even when he was struggling. Shout out Jay Walker. Uh, it was great to see Dirk go out and have three great innings. Uh, look, I'll take giving up a bomb and a single. I'll take that over hitting batters and walking guys and not finding the strike zone. So I thought Dirk, for the first time this season, looked the way that I thought he could look. And he was, he was also touching 97. I mean, that's, I was salivating. How can we get this in the, in the weekend rotation? We got to have it. So I take that away. Um, the big lick by TR, okay, the three-run bomb. We, I don't want to live and die on the home run. I really don't like that about this particular team. I think we live too much on the home run. But you got to let Tyler continue to swing the bat. I mean, he's got hits. I think it's a five-game hit streak now, and it's, it's like his slug percentage has, like, tripled. Uh, big lick by TR. Let him keep swinging the bat. And then, obviously, Julian Brock finally ran into one. 
He's been barreling up pitches all season. He finally got one to leave the yard. That could be a confidence boost for him to, to continue into the, the, the conference slate. Uh, and, again, we played good defense. So that's my takeaways. What do you guys have? Yo, wait, well, wait, wait. Let's go back to Brock. I feel like that kid, more than anybody I've ever seen, hits balls hard and right at people, or they make this amazing defensive catch after he he you know drives one to the outfield. So so no happy to see him see him get one. Yeah, that that was fun to watch. Um, I, I was very pleased with the fact that we came back down three nothing to start the game. Um, I, I know Havertz been struggling a little bit these past out few outings he's had. Um, and hopefully he, he, he turns it around, but, uh, just to see the team fight back. And, and I know, look, Southeastern was on a losing streak. They weren't playing well, but they're still, that doesn't make them a bad team. I mean, they're still a very talented team. Um, and to go to their house and do that, especially after emotions were high after our first matchup earlier in the season, when we rallied to win in the ninth, um, or was it the 10th? I believe it was either the ninth or bottom of the ninth or 10th. No, it was the 10th, I think. in uh, in early in February, uh, you know, emotions were high. So, you know, they were, they probably circled our game on the calendar looking for payback. And, and we were very patient. I thought we were very patient at the plate. I thought we actually had more opportunities to score more runs early on. Couldn't get the runs in. I do think in that regard, I do think we do have room for improvement. When, when you get the opportunity, you have guys on base, you got to score them. I think in the first think and the first, third, nobody out. And yeah. we don't push one run across because of stupid mistakes or, or just being bad at the plate. That's, that's, what I mean. that's a trend that goes back to last year. Poor base running, like lack yeah. of situational awareness and lack of baseball IQ. That, that's got to be cleaned up if we're going to do anything in the postseason. And in spite of that, we still won the game. In spite of that, we scored enough runs to, to, to get the win and, and, and come home with a, with a, with a two-game win streak. So, I, I, look. There are some things I see that look promising. Like you said, Julian Brock finally getting a solid home run, seeing T-Rob tie it up out in left center field early on, and seeing guys like even Bobby Lede, I believe, got a hit or two. Um, So people are getting on base, but it's what you do after you get on base. How do you take advantage of that? And I do think we do have some work to do there. Um, And look, Matt Deggs probably knows that too. So – this weekend, this is one of those weekends against Georgia Southern where it's just like South Al. You don't want to blow opportunities when you're able to take advantage of certain situations. You know, if you get a double, leadoff double, you got to score the run. You can't make mistakes. You can't blow opportunities. So I'm glad we're hitting the ball. Uh, I got to give a shout out to, like you said, Shiflet and Dirk, both of them pitch really well. That's going to be huge in the long run, especially with with um, with kind of a a bullpen that's kind of trying to claw their way back, right? So and losing Bo, you know, and losing Bo. So good win, good win in Hammond. Um, you know, back to five hundred. Uh, so now the schedule eases up a little bit um, moving forward up until you hit that May series and in, in, in San Marcos against Texas State. This is an opportunity now where we can make a run. So starting this weekend, you take two out of three. You go to Tech uh, two games in a row next week before going to Arkansas State. Uh, I see some opportunities here. If we can take care of business this weekend, I see some good opportunities to, to, to start going on a little bit of a, a run. Agree. And how about Chipper? You know, Chipper was good again. He, he how seems, about Chipper, man? He, I'm he, telling you, I'm, I'm a big fan. <laughs> I'm a fan too, and I'm telling you, I think that he has found his niche. I think that that's where he needs to be. I, 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 he has looked pretty filthy. He's one thing you notice more about Chip is that he's attacking the strike zone. It's like he's not nibbling anymore. 
And I think maybe in that particular role, they're just telling him, go out there and dominate the hitter. Just throw strikes. Don't try to think about kid, you know, your, your stamina or trying to go long innings. Just go out and get four outs. Go out and get six outs. That's all we need you to do. And I think he's excelling in that role. You know what he's, you know what he's reminded me of as a closer? He kind of reminds me of a left-handed version of Craig Shambo. Comes from the side, has some dirty stuff. Um, I mean, he's leg-locked a few hitters recently. And when his curveball is on, you, you can't hit it. And that kind of reminds me of when Sham used to pitch back in the, the early 2000s. He would throw some nasty sliders, and, and I mean, it would just drop. And I'm seeing that with, with, with Chipper. And, but, but yet, uh, and of course, I got to give a shout out to Craig because he's actually he's a personal friend of mine. But also, but that was his, his niche, right? He, his, his niche would, he'd come out in the ninth, throw some nasty sliders from the side, and you couldn't hit him. I'm seeing the same thing with Chipper here. But with Chipper, I think what we've seen as of, as of late after the Troy game is we're starting to see some consistency with that role. That's what I'm looking for with Chipper. If he could solidify that role and show some consistency and close games out. I mean, even the Troy game, he pitched well. He just gave up that one moonshot. It just, he just hung it up a little high, but even then outside of that, he pitched well that game. So I think at this point, if he keeps doing what he's doing, look, last year, we kind of had that role for Schultz. Well, Schultz is now pitching on Saturday I think Chipper could come in, especially as a lefty, with some of the dirtiness he has on his throw, that he can solidify that role as a closer. And I like what I see with him. As long as he gets some of those breaking balls to be where they need to be and can and, and locate his pitches, he can he can solidify that role for the rest of the year, in my opinion. Yeah, last thing on that game. Uh, Warner Rinconis is back. It was good to see him back. Um I I personally think to be a, a very good defensive club, we need him in the on, in the lineup and on the field. I think that he's kind of that missing piece. You know, I, I know Bobby's kind of starting to hit, but oof, I, I I don't know. Anytime the ball goes to the right side, I'm I am holding my breath and a little bit scared to be honest with you. But uh, anyway, mo- looking forward to Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern took care of Arkansas State last weekend. They visited Georgia Southern. Arkansas State is not a great team, but they pushed them in two of the three games. Uh, Georgia Southern, you know, they had a midweek game against Georgia who just went and walked off Florida yesterday in a, in a really, really nice college baseball game. Uh, Georgia's a good team. They've, they've bumped their head a few times, but they've played a hell of a schedule. Georgia Southern gave them everything they want, ended up losing the game. They did beat Georgia in a, I think it was a midweek game in the second or third week of the season, 13-5. Uh, to five. I mean, they really blew their doors off. So they are capable. Obviously, Georgia Southern's capable. They can hit the baseball. I think their team ERA is above five. Their whip is not very good. So I think that they're going to they're gonna plan to win offensively, similar to what we would expect from a Dex team. But, you know, they took care of Arkansas State like they should have. They beat, or they lost to Georgia this week. And they look ahead. They come into, they're coming to Lafayette with, they have a 17-8 and eight record, I believe it is. And their RPI is actually pretty good. It's number 20 in the country. And their strength of schedule is number 22 in the country. So that's, that's pretty damn good against a solid schedule. What do you guys see out of Georgia Southern so far? Yeah, I think um, from what I've heard and what I've seen, um, they've, got, they've got a couple of good starters. They've got Jalen Payton, who's going to start Friday night. Um, he did his ERAs up there. He gave up four runs early to Arkansas state. So that was interesting. So maybe, maybe we can jump on him early. Uh, Ty Fisher, who's starting Saturday actually has a 1.6 ERA. Um, he's got, he's got a good arm. I think behind that is a concern for 
Georgia Southern fans. I don't think their bullpen is is that great. They the the ERA shoots up significantly after that. So they're kind of in the position that we were earlier in the season where we have to out hit people. So it'll be it'll be important for us one to not give up runs in the first or second inning. We have done that I think for the last 10 games where we give up one, two, three runs in the first or second and have to come back and, and try to win. So hopefully we can hold off that early early scoring from Georgia Southern and then get into their bullpen. I think that'll be key to this game. And also, Jerry, like we were talking about with Southeastern, don't get, you know, first and third, nobody out and, you know, strand the bases that, that can't happen. We gotta, we gotta, it's a, it's a conference game. We've got to capitalize on those opportunities. Uh, but yeah, Georgia, Georgia Southern's a, a good team. They've won four straight series. Three of those were sweeps and they do have a win earlier in the season against Georgia. So Looking forward to it. It's going to be a good series. It's at home, so I'm I'm hoping for two out of three. Yeah, they they've won the last fifteen out of seventeen, um, and five of their five of their starters are hitting over three hundred. Um, they had decent fielding. They've got a really good weekend rotation of pitchers. Uh, like you said, Nick, their bullpen doesn't look too promising. I mean, looking at their ERA, they don't look too special. So the main thing for us is to try to get to them, right? Very similar to South Alabama. Um, all three phases of the game, they're very good. And they just play some really good crisp baseball. What you saw last year in that semifinal game, they're patient. They're disciplined at the plate. They have, um, like I said, solid fielding. Um, so we're going to have to be on our P's and Q's like we were last weekend. Now, what what last weekend showed me was we're capable of taking the series. Um, I think they're very similar. Um but like you said, Nick, you don't want them to take advantage of your pitching staff early on. You don't want them to jump to early leads because they're a team that will make you pay. Um, so I think it's going to be a great series this weekend. I'm glad we're playing them at home. And look, these players know they ended our season last year. Uh, we lost to them in the semis where we really should have won when you really think about it in that last inning. So um, I hope the players are thinking about that and I hope they have payback on their minds. But Again, you get past this weekend series, you have a, a stretch on the schedule that looks pretty favorable um, the, by the way we're playing. So, um, yeah, it'll be a great weekend series. It should be some good baseball and some good weather. So if you can make it out to the tee, go check it out because it's going to be a fun – I think you're going to get your money's worth if you go to these games. One thing you can say about this season is that the Teague has been fun and it's been rocking every time the lights have come on. It's been a lot of fun. And the team plays their best baseball, which is the – you know, that's my favorite part about it. We've had some exciting games. Uh, the, I'm certainly not looking ahead past Friday, but I can tell you Saturday, I'm very interested in the Friday match, uh, the Saturday matchup, the starting pitching especially, because you got Ty Fisher coming in with a, obviously a sterling ERA, but he's a trash-throwing lefty. Degg's kryptonite, trash-throwing lefty. So it's going to be him versus Schultz, and Schultz is only making his second appearance as a starter this year. And, you know, we, we've yet to see that really nasty stuff from Schultz. Okay, so I think that that's a very interesting um, uh, uh, matchup. And then, obviously, hopefully, you know, Tommy Ray is still available in that long relief in case we get into a pinch. And that will also be interesting. But I, I want to see how the offense is going to respond to Ty Fisher. And I'm ready for the offense. Everybody not named Carson Rockefort and Heat Hood, I'm ready for somebody to start protecting these guys. I mean, it's time. You know, TR looks like he's starting to heat up. Like I mentioned, Julian, if Julian, if that, if just seeing the ball go over the fence one time gives you a little bit extra 
freedom with your swing. You know, uh, I, I got to see these guys start protecting Rock. I mean, he's playing at an All-American type level. Seven homers, 31 RBI through, what is it, 23 games, 22 games? I, I mean, that's outrageous. You, you know, you got to love what Rock's doing, but he needs help. We need to manufacture more runs. That's what I want to see against, like Nick mentioned, this is a pitching staff that has a few front-end guys. But once you get into the bullpen, you, you got to make them pay. You got to make it hurt. Troy well, you got to be patient at the plate, man. You can't be, yeah. you know, swinging first pitch trash. Like, like go deep in the count, make him throw pitches, and then get into the bullpen. But if you're going out there just swinging at everything, it's going to be a long day. You know, we can manufacture runs maybe, but still, just 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 make him throw pitches and uh, get into that bullpen. I think that's that's a key. And I want to see too is- I want to see this team learn from Troy because Troy was a similar situation where they had front loaded pitching, but I didn't think their bullpen was anything special. And our, our hitters failed to make them pay for mistakes, for walks, and for honestly not that good of stuff. It was average stuff that they were seeing. I want to see the learning curve start to show itself. Yeah, another thing is, too, is I mentioned the number of guys hitting over 300. I mean, Rocco's the only one. He's batting 357, which in itself is crazy. Um, crazy good. But Heath Hood's at 296. Connor Kimball's at 284. But one thing about Connor Kimball that stands out, uh, everybody else is probably averaging about, I don't know, if I just draw these numbers together, you're probably looking at about 16, uh, 15 to 16 strikeouts a, a guy per, per player. Kimball struck out 27 times. So he's he's one of those guys where he'll get an extra bit. Kimball really is kind of like a, it's, it's all or nothing, right? He'll get a double or he'll strike out or he'll hit a triple or he'll strike out. Um, I think this particular weekend, guys like Kimball, guys like Vail, guys like Hood, even DeBarge or even Debo, right? You got to get those high pitch counts up for those Georgia Southern pitchers. You don't want them going into the third or fourth inning with, with 20 pitches, right. Or 30 pitches. Um, I, I really think it's important for the batters to, to go into their bullpen. I really do. You're at home. We play well at home. We hit the ball at home. Um, you go into their bullpen at home. I think we're in good shape. I, I really do. I think we're in good shape. Even Warner Raconis, he's only batting 171 right now, but if you take the last few games, he's getting base hits every time. So, yeah, um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what they can do. I really am at the plate. In league play, still our best hitter, statistically speaking. So, guys, I want to talk about the health of the league a little bit. Uh, I know we touch on it from time to time, but, you know, anytime you have a league that has eight teams inside of the conference or uh, the top 100 RPI teams in America, I think that that is a, a healthy league, a well-rounded league, plenty of parity, obviously. Uh, and the conference RPI as a whole is seven, but if you take out, I think it was the West Coast Conference that's, that's played like 50 or 60 games less than we have. Uh, maybe it's a Northern team. I, I don't remember exactly. Maybe it's a MEAC. Uh, if you take out that conference, percentage-wise, we're number six. So that's something to be proud of. And I wanted to mention this. So Georgia Southern is the league leader in RPI at number 20. And I mentioned earlier, strength of schedule is 22. Coastal comes in at number 38 with a strength of schedule of 24. I mean, that's that's good numbers for your conference leaders for a league like us, who has historically been good, but the last four or five years, we've kind of been on a downswing. Texas State, who is scorching hot, and uh, they did lose a game this past weekend, but, you know, I mean, it's a conference game. You go out and you, you play well. I mean, you, they, it was Coastal that actually beat them in, in San Marcos. So, anyway, they're a number 40 RPI team with a 139 strength of schedule, but they've got some quality wins on that schedule. Uh, then you have Troy at number 44 with a strength of schedule of 143, 
as we well know, good team kicked our ass all over the field. So South Al comes in at number 50 with a strength of schedule of 122. That's actually a lot higher than I thought it would be if you look at their schedule. And then you have Louisiana at number 53, but strength of schedule number nine in the country. That is, it's probably better than I expected it to be, but it shows you the quality of opponent that we've seen. And that's encouraging to be 500 at this point. I hate to say it like that because people will say, oh, well, you shouldn't be encouraged at 500. Well, all things considered, it's not bad. But I think, but I think where that helps is when if, if, we, if we continue, if that pays off for us and we continue trending up, when we're looking at maybe not, let, let's say we get to the conference championship finals in the tournament and we don't win and we're a bubble team, that's where that's going to really come into play when they look at that strength of schedule and say, okay, well, you know, your, your, your record may not be up to par with, with other guys, but look at your strength of schedule. So I think that's where it's going to come into play. We just got to keep winning, man. Well, yeah, I look back I, to 20. I, look back I, I to think you're right, Nick. Sorry, Jerry. I think you're right, Nick. And, and I'll say this in order to be even considering an at large berth, I think we're going to have to reel off like 15 or 16 of the next 20. So, but it no. would definitely come into play if we're right on the cusp. Go ahead, Jerry. Well, go go back to 2017. We played St. Peter's. Um, you swept them, right? You went three for three. Oh, but because they didn't win a game, <laughs> well, look, they didn't win a game. We finished the season 35 and 21, and we had some decent wins on that schedule. If you replace St. Peter's with a team that has an RPI of maybe in the top 25, and you go three for three, you might get into a regional. You, you might you might sneak in. So. That's the importance of the strength of schedule, and that's why it's important for us to make a run going forward starting tonight. You make a run going forward starting tonight, like you said. If you finish something like somewhere similar, 35 and 20, somewhere like that, um, and of course you got to really strike gold to do that, but, you know, it's possible. If you can do that and your strength of schedule is still hovering in the top 25 and your RPI is hovering around the top 50, you are a bubble team. And of course, you definitely want to finish strong in the in the tournament, even if you make the semis or the finals. That puts you, I mean, look, sixth strongest conference in baseball, that puts you on the spot for an at-large. So I do think that's very important. I think that's very imper- it's imperative that if we do make a run, that this the strength of schedule stays the way it does. Like these other teams have to keep winning, right? But that actually works to our advantage. So um, it's, it is encouraging to see that strength of schedule because down the road that actually may help us when we really need it the most. Yeah, I think that's why it's worth mentioning. You know, if we end up with something like 19, 20 losses and you look at this, like I said, eight teams in the top 100, you're going to get a look, and that, that's important. To round out the, the, the final two teams in the top 100, App State at number 94 with a strength of schedule of 53, and Georgia State, Shocking everybody, hitting the baseball all over the field, and much better than I expected them to be. Number 96 with a strength of schedule of 124. Guys, we're halfway through the season, and we've got all these, these Sunbelt teams in the top 100. That is ex- that's extremely good news for us and for the league. So I want to continue to to kind of touch on the health of the league as we go forward. Uh, because, again, like I said, halfway, halfway through the season, like we're getting into the meat of the schedule, and these are going to be some extremely important uh, conference series going further uh, into the season. So I also want to mention a few notable games from this past week. Obviously, all midweek games, like we mentioned, Georgia Southern lost to Georgia on the road. 7-2, to it was competitive for a while, but Georgia just had too much offense towards the end. Mercer, America's team, as 11.7 dubs them, beat the hell out of Georgia State 15-5 to at Mercer. 
Uh, Arkansas State snuck by Central Arkansas, another good Southland team. But, you know, Arkansas State, it's, it's unfortunate how much they've been struggling. I thought they may have had an opportunity to be better this year. Uh, it, it has not happened. Uh, Alabama and South Al had a great one on Tuesday. 5-4. Bama ends up escaping, but that was a very competitive baseball game. The Texas State Bobcats lose to Sam Houston in what was an incredible game. I watched the game. It was back and forth the entire time. Uh, Texas State just couldn't hang on. The, the bullpen just wasn't very good. I, I can't really say anything more than that. Sam Houston played at home, and they played well in front of a great crowd. UT Arlington and Baylor. Baylor ends up winning 15-9. to UT Arlington is a, is a hot and cold team. You know, they, they beat the hell out of Troy when they went up to UTA. Uh, I don't know. Baylor's not very good this year. I expected them to be more competitive. LSU crushes UL Monroe. Not a shock to anybody. And the Little Rock-Arkansas game was an interesting one. Arkansas was up 6-2 to two in the fourth inning and hitting everything all over the baseball park. And next thing I know, I, I checked in around the seventh inning and Arkansas just reeled off like 15 straight runs. So that was a little bit of the SEC powerhouse Arkansas, uh, what they're capable of. So anyway, any, did you guys get to watch any midweek baseball? Do you watch midweek baseball? How often do you get to watch other league teams play? Now with the plus, it's almost... I mean, it's almost too easy to just flip on a game. I get to do it every now and then, uh, but just curious how much baseball you guys watch. Um, I tend to watch it every now and then, especially if it's a team that we're playing, or I try to I try to see what's going on in, in conference. Um, if you have a team that, you know, in our conference that's facing maybe someone from the SEC or somebody from the ACC, I do kind of, I do get kind of curious, and I, and I pull for our teams to win. Um, that, that only looks good for the conference. For so. sure. I mean, I'll, I'll check up on scores, you know, whether it's going through Twitter or I'll go through the plus and see who's who's playing, and I'll try to see if it's a close game. I'll try to watch the last few innings to see if the team can put our team or our conference teams can pull it off. Um, but, yeah, it's very important because, like, you know, for example, we're playing a Georgia Southern team that just lost, uh, lost to Georgia the other night, but then they beat them earlier in the season, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I do get kind of curious because it, it only helps us out, you know, when, when Georgia Southern or Georgia State goes and beats, I think it was Georgia State that beat Clemson a few weeks back. Um, that, was, that was big. Um, when I see teams like Texas State go beat Texas, that's big. Uh, when I see Arkansas State, I, I don't know if it's Arkansas State or who was it that, that, um, that played Arkansas earlier. Was it, who was it? Somebody played Arkansas or was it an SEC team, maybe Ole Miss, that they were giving them a run for their money early on. Um, drawing a blank here, but like when Troy plays Auburn or beats Auburn or Alabama or someone like that, that's always a big deal or South Al same way. Um, yeah, I, I like it. I like it. I'm curious. And, and, you know, when these teams win these midweek games against that, that type of competition, it only helps our conference and, and directly helps us as well. But you know, what's what I love about our conference mates is that unlike the sec where the teams just hate each other and they want other teams in the conference just to lose every game they play. We really do like, I'm like you, Jerry. I mean, you've seen my setup. I've got, I've got the split screen with four games on and in, in the, on the hundred inch projector screen. Then I've got another TV set up with ESPN plus. So yeah, I mean, we all pull for each other because it's good. Whatever's good. The conference gets better. That means that we look better. So absolutely. I will watch, uh, I'll watch that all day, probably every night, every weeknight I got it on. In fact, I, I usually on Thursday nights get mad because there's very little college baseball on, on the uh, the streaming app. Jerry, you were thinking about Southeastern. Southeastern went out to Arkansas on a Friday and beat them 7-3. to three. Yeah, that's what it was. That's a hell yeah. of a win right there by Southeastern. Um, I always thought the, the conference thing was so dumb. 
how can you not pull for your conference to have a better RPI or for your opponents to have a better resume? I just think I, you're right, Nick. The SEC, they get a lot of bad rap for a lot of things, but that's the worst. How, how are you not going to pull for, for an in-conference team against out-of-conference competition? I, I never understood that. Well I, think it's, well, I think it's different for them, though, because, because they play each other. They already got this inflated RPI. So their conference mates don't – I mean, it doesn't matter if they lose to, you know, um, Southeastern Missouri State on a Wednesday night. Like, they don't – they're just going to laugh at it and be like, ha, ah, they can't even beat them because their RPI is already inflated. So I guess I guess that's why we have to work hard to get our RPI up there, and theirs are just kind of gifted to them. So maybe that's the difference. I don't know. It's a very good point. No matter what they do, the RPI is going to stay. You know, you know, it's like in in I think it was uh, last year in the dance they had some sub five hundred teams that are getting looks at an at large. You got to be kidding, dude. Me. Look at LSU last year. They shouldn't have been in a regional, but because their coach is going on a farewell tour, they somehow made it relevant. You know. To, didn't matter about their RPI, so that happens all the time. So aggravating. Inflated is a good way to put it. All right, everybody. We're going to pay the bills. Please patronize the sponsors. Be right back. Chris Russo of Russo Exploration encourages you to donate to the Ranging Cajun Athletic Foundation. The RCAF, the official fundraising arm of Louisiana Athletics, supports over 400 student-athletes across 16 NCAA sports. You can invest in the RCAF today for as little as $5 a month. Just go to myrcaf.org to get started or call 337-851-RCAF. As always, donations to the RCAF are tax-deductible. Your investment today will enrich the lives of every athlete that puts on the vermilion and white. Go Cajuns! Y'all not there? Alright, let's get this thing moving. Media matters. Got some changes around Lafayette. First one is goodbye to Mr. Buckley. Moving on. Guys, hold your comments. Let's not be mean. <laughs> I'm trying, man. I'm trying. I'm holding back. <laughs> also, Top, Brad Topham, leaving ESPN Lafayette. He's going to stay on the broadcast and do the games, uh, the color for Jay, which is, I think, a good thing. Uh, but. That's going to be two big changes in, in the local market. What do you guys have to say about those? Well, first, um, regarding Buckley, good luck and God bless. I think I'll leave it at that about Buckley. I'm going to just say that I am disappointed in what the advertiser has become. And I know back in the day when they actually had a newspaper in Lafayette that they called them the Advertiger because – you know, they had Tiger coverage, but 
when you look at, I, okay, personal story. I used to work for the advertiser very for a brief moment for a couple of football seasons. I, I did the agate page. I don't know if you guys, do you know what that is? That's where they had all the scores on that big page. But when you think about, they had Bruce Brown as editor, Kevin foot, Joni bro was the outdoors guy, genius. Pete McIntaggart ended up working for sports illustrated. They had their own ice skaters beat writer, Dave Friedlander. And now we can't even get a guy to tweet about our games while they're happening. Instead, I'm watching that person tweet LSU women's basketball scores as we're beating UC Irvine, a ranked team at home. Okay. So I'm not going to put that on Buckley. I think Buckley likes to troll our fans a little bit. And I think that was part of it. No question. (laughs) All right. Maybe a lot. Um, Yeah. um, Good luck to him. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. I mean, good luck to him. You know, sometimes better opportunities come and you take it. Um, So I'll just leave it at that. I I really don't, you know, to be honest with you, I hate to say it like this, but I really don't follow. I mean, I follow a little bit of local print media, but everything's so digitized that you can just get it off the internet or get it off of Twitter or, or or they'll post it on Facebook, whether it's the advertiser, the advocate, but uh, yeah, I mean, look, best of luck to Tim. Thank you for your time and hope everything works out for you, my friend. Think about how spoiled we were with Josh and then we had Luke. I mean, we were pretty, we were spoiled with their coverage. Um, But anyway, again, I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. So I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. I'm going to take a different approach, but yeah, going from Parrot to Luke was like going from Favre to Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it was just not fair. I'm going to preface this by saying this is my own opinion. I don't speak for the podcast. We need a disclaimer button that I could just hit. Uh, I'm going to work on that after we get off here. Buckley misquoted me twice in the paper, and he did it on purpose, and he knows what he did, and I have not had any respect for him personally since then. Uh, on, a, on a professional note, I think he's sloppy and lazy. I'm very happy that he's moving on. I think I speak for most of our fan base when I say those things. Uh, but, but again, I don't speak for Jerry or Nick or anybody else. This is my own personal thoughts about Buckley. Hope he has a great life, wonderful time at Tiger Rag, which is so perfect that he's leaving here, leaving the advocate to go work for Scarborough's. You guys know that Mike Scarborough graduated from USL, the oh, University yeah. of Louisiana at Lafayette, and took every opportunity to degrade and talk down to this, this program and the athletics and the university as a whole. So... It's so perfect that a guy like Tim, who had fun with the, the fan base and trolled them regularly on purpose, is going to work for Tiger Rag. It's just, it's chef's kiss perfect. I'm uh, just wondering where, so Buckley's gone, you know, who's going to replace him? And I look at one of my friends posted over during this week, they have like the best of Acadiana, right? In the advertiser. And so he's got the paper, you know, he took a picture of it. And the best of Acadiana showed the best of Lafayette, you know, everything, but it's Lafayette, Indiana. That's how out of touch that newspaper is. They posted the Lafayette, Indiana best of in the Lafayette, Louisiana paper. So, I mean, it's, can it get worse? We'll see. I mean, it might because they obviously have zero connection to the area. It's just disappointing, man. It's disappointing that we have to rely on a paper in Baton Rouge to get our sports news in Lafayette. That, how far have they fallen? It's terrible. You know, it's embarrassing as a professional printing company. How can you let your product go that far south? I, I, that's just so bad to me. 
And and that's just it's it's lack of care. Where's the editor here? I mean, do you not care about your readers that much? I, I still don't understand how that even happened. How that got by so many layers of editorial uh, positions and then all the way down to the person who posted it on Twitter. I mean, that is horrendous. Uh, but you're right. A, a Baton Rouge newspaper is doing our coverage. You know, maybe we should reach out to The Current and ask them if they want to start up a sports section. Hell, maybe Jerry will work pro bono. He's got all the time in the world. He could do that. Maybe we'll get mad on the case. I don't know. But it, it is troubling. It's troubling. You know, it, we got to a point with the advertiser where they were actually hurting our brand more than they were helping our brand by covering the team. It, it, I, I thought it was a point of diminishing returns two years ago. But the other thing is top, you know. Top ended up having his own uh, hour or two on ESPN Lafayette, 1420-1033. And the show progressively got better. And say what you want about Top, but he's very knowledgeable. He knows what he's talking about. Uh, we had him on to do a segment about Julian Brock the other day, which we very much appreciate. And he, I mean, he just absolutely got into the 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 minutia of baseball, catching. And he he just, he's a student of the game. He's coached the game. He's played the game. He's grown up in baseball. So having Top not on ESPN... Lafayette leaves a void and you have to wonder how many how does this continue how does that particular radio station continue to be local I don't know if there are more than one local shows remaining maybe two they used to have a lineup all morning and all afternoon of local of local guys talking local sports it just doesn't it's not there anymore and I know Jerry you have a relationship with those folks over there so have you heard anything about the direction of ESPN Lafayette, what are they going to do as far as local coverage? What, what's what's going on? No idea. I, I know they're going more national on some of those slots that are being filled, so I, I couldn't tell you. Um, I mean, the only real thing that we know is, is of course, uh, our our co-host Matt Miguez went to 103.7 the game, but that's really all I know as far as breaking news of local sports radio. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I tell you, it's a sign of the times, though. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next, you know, five to six months and see the sort of the, the dynamic of, of who goes where. By the way, we're not trying to plug 1037 or anything. We just thought it was interesting that the Lafayette media landscape is changing yet again. You know, I, for, I grew up on local radio. I grew up listening to Jay and Stevie, then Scott, you know, even Rickman to a certain degree. When you could understand what he was saying, I could, I could listen to that. <laughs> Don't forget Mr. Bitter, though. I mean, you want to talk about understanding people. Good Lord. That dude, <laughs> he had a two-hour show, and 45 minutes of it were, Don't forget to... Don't forget to go see my friends at ShopRite. Well, they treat you right. Don't forget to go see my friends at this windshield company. Those, don't forget. I hey mean, man, bitter, bitter, bitter. Dime, baby. <laughs> say, say what you want, man. Bitter's my boy. And we're, we're Bitter and I are pretty tight. So, uh, But he, he cracks me up. He cracks me up. That boy loved him some LSU. But yeah, yeah, that was some good times. I, I just hate to see local radio going going the way of the dinosaur. I, I hope that Scott's able to hold on and and he does a great job managing that brand and that station. But I hope I hope we don't lose that local flavor, man. I, I think that that's what made ESPN fourteen twenty now Lafayette uh, so sustainable over so many years. You can't you. I moved around the country when I was younger, and you don't have that. I mean, local markets don't have that. But look at what happened with the advertiser, right? They got bought out by a national company who doesn't care about local news. So that, that started to dwindle. And then now they don't, do they even like, do they even have a physical paper anymore? I, I don't know, but they didn't adapt. It's like Sears. Sears didn't adapt. 
and and Sears went out of business while Macy's was adapting to the digital world and getting online and making it affordable for people to shop online and easier. And and I think Scott's got the right idea where every show he's posting it as a podcast. I think you have to do that. But sure. again, it's it look at what happened to the advertiser where they stopped being local and started being national and people started tuning out. And I hope that doesn't happen because again, there's somewhere else I worked, you know, I worked at the radio station in college and I got to sit in on those great local conversations and it was all local. It was local from the time, you know, Stevie P was up in the morning till, till we signed off at night. And um, it's disappointing. I, I hope, I hope that they have plans, but I think Scott's doing the right thing and, and presenting the information to people in various ways and and I'm hoping that that rubs off, but but yeah, Top's a great dude. I met him first time I met him. I was 19 years old, and he got me some boiled crawfish for the uh, All Star game I had to run in Lafayette at the last minute. So uh, I uh, I wish wish him the best, and I'm glad he's sticking around with with the baseball call because that dude is passionate about UL baseball, and uh, that's what I love about him. He's passionate, and knowledgeable, and, and he loves talking about it. He sure does. And, and I'll tell y'all guys this. I, I don't know how many people know this, but when he first started. God, he used to aggravate me because he'd say, I coach this kid and this is what you should do. And he would talk about the way that he coached the kid. And it would kind of overtake what was going on during baseball, during the game. And I used to call and I'd call Jay and I'd bitch and complain and be like, Jay, tell that dude to talk about the game. I don't care who he coached. And, you know, I, I don't know if Jay ever told him that, but but he got so much better. And now it feels like I've been listening to Top for 10 years. And I, I very much appreciate the way he approaches the game and his role as as the color analyst. I think he does a spectacular job. And and I'll, I'll go even further. I think Jay is the best in the business as far as college baseball. I, I would not rather listen to another person call a college baseball game than Jay. And and for Top to be able to go from someone who annoyed me to somebody who I rely on for information and really appreciate him calling the game, it's a, it's a pretty big jump. Because, like I said, I, I, I hold Jay in high regard for, for what he does. Jerry, last words on Top? Yeah, he's, he's been, you know, he's very, I think, I think he makes a good team with Jay for baseball because of his experience coaching and, and being around the game. I like his analysis after Jay, like Jay's really good at the play-by-play. And then I think Top comes in and compliments him with this, with the way he talks about the game. He'll talk about certain pitches. He'll talk about, you know, he'll talk about a batter's stance. He'll talk about certain things that you really don't think about. And really you can kind of visualize when you're listening on the radio. Um, and and I, even when he goes on the field to interview coach Deggs, he does a great job asking certain questions Agreed. that it's not your typical, well, you lost the game or well, you won the game. What, what do you think? It was more of, Hey, in this particular situation, you did this in that particular situation, you did that. And that caused this game to, to, to turn out this way. What was your way of thinking? What are you looking for? And then he'll talk about the intricacies of the game itself rather than just the typical cliche. So uh, what did you tell your team after the game? It's more of why you made certain decisions and why you did this, why you did that and talked about the dynamics of the game. I, as a sports fan in general, I enjoy those types of questions. And I think top has done a fantastic job um, really talking about the game to a lay person that may not understand the game. Right. I mean, it's one thing you can say, well, this guy got a base hit, but then you have tops analysis after and talks about, you know, the way he swung the bat, the pitch that was coming. I enjoy that. And I think again, it compliments Jay because Jay does a fantastic job doing the play by play for baseball. So I think they make a great team. And I hope, you know, even though top is, um, you know, making a, a decision to 
to shut it down on the radio on his own show on top stake. I hope he can stay on with Jay and, and, and talk some more baseball because I do think they make a good, a great team. And if he's listening to, to the pod, um, my man, hook me up with that pasta liar recipe, please. If even if it comes with the cost, just hook me up. Cause that was some good stuff, man. We won't sell it. We promise Brad. Uh, last thing on Brad for me is that, you know, it, it's long been said that radio is theater of the mind. Jay does a great job of putting you in the game. Brad does a great job of making you think about all the games within the game. It's a spectacular team, and I hope Brad, nothing but the best. I hope he stays on for a very long time. Moving on to league matters, specifically Kusa. They finally stopped fighting, put their sword down like we all knew they would. They let the SBC3 free, and those schools will be joining the league July 1. But my favorite part about all this is that they released the football schedule as they were asking the NCAA to allow them to play in week zero. Seems like a lot of teams will be playing something called TBD. Gentlemen, your take on Conference USA having absolutely no backup plan to what was inevitably going to happen. Inept leadership. Full stop. I mean, how can you not be prepared for that? Do you really think you're going to win that lawsuit? Even if you do, man, contingency plans. Any good leader has a backup plan when they face some sort of adversity or, or they hear something's coming down the road. Okay, let's plan just in case. If you don't even have a plan for that, that tells you how inept that leadership is. But then again, uh, I'm just going to stop there because I don't want to, I don't want to bash Judy too much because she really helped us out a lot. We got three teams because of her. So thank you, Judy, for being so inept at your leadership at conference USA. So glad tech is going to be the leader of that. You know, maybe they'll win. <laughs> maybe they'll win a conference championship. Now that'll be awesome for them. against so, Sam Houston. Maybe. I don't good. know. We haven't slapped tech around on the pod for a long time. So that's, that's you mean a- the raging Cajuns of Louisiana tech, according to, uh, <laughs> according to our boy, Luke Bryant. Yes, yeah. That's awesome. Thanks dude. <laughs> Go ahead. <Jay. laughs> I, I um I, I just I, the one word I can I can say is uh, is karma. It's it's karma. Um, for the longest time, you have a conference that has done everything they can to basically indirectly destroy the Sun Belt, whether it's raiding our conference ten years ago and you know having particular former athletic directors making comments about how I would that moving up to a level like Conference USA and having to pay a premium to get into Conference USA as wow. it's, as if it's some type of country club. And here we are now and everybody is running off and you have inept leadership that has caused them to, like you said, not even have a contingency plan with their schedule. So now all these schools who are now members are stuck going, what, what do we do next? What's our schedule look like? How do we, how do we form this? What's our plan B? And there was no plan B. So um, I, I think it's pretty hilarious now. Uh, and I think it's, I think the, the chickens have come home to roost in this regard. And so I'm just sitting back watching the fireworks and it's nice to be on the beneficial end of that instead of being on the opposite end that we've been on for so long to where we would always be the ones saying, you know, we got to get out of this conference perception wise. It was always us being on that end. And it's nice that we're actually benefiting from it for once, especially against a conference that is kind of a, I would call it a rival conference, but really, I mean. I, I can't even consider it that anymore when you look at the teams going in there. So, yeah, I think it's funny. I think it's pretty great. So, yeah. I, I just don't understand, like, if you're some of these legacy programs that didn't get out, how do you pretend like you're cool with all this? 
how do you just imagine it were it were us? Imagine like we going uh, the Raging Cajun athletic program going through a total raid of the belt and total lack of leadership, and then inviting I don't know Jackson State, Jacksonville State, and at one point they were talking about getting Tarleton State in there. I can't even put into words how I don't even know if I would continue to support the programs. I'd be like, we, how are we ever going to do anything in this league? It, it's a fascinating saga to me. I, 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 it's hard to, you just live in denial at that point, man. I mean, That's you have to, right? doing. <laughs> I mean, really, but it's, it's like back to Jerry's point, you know, we were rated the last go round and we lost middle. We lost FIU. We lost, um, uh, Western Kentucky, and now those guys, Louisiana Tech, stole our spot. We should have been, you know, in Conference USA, but whatever. So they they went to from the whack to there. Now they were begging to get in. So uh, have fun. You you dug your own grave. You know, live in it. And imagine, I'm telling you, imagine being I'm, Middle Tennessee. You leave the I'm belt. Telling y'all, the belt gets better. Then you go to Kusa. Kusa gets raided. It's a total dumpster fire. Then you get an offer from the MAC. You want to accept it, but Middle Tennessee State's president says, nah, we're not going to go. And for whatever reason, they're conjoined at the hip. So Western Kentucky's in a league that they have no business being in, and they don't want to be in. Hey, karma. Karma. That's the only way I can put it. And not necessarily to Western or Middle, but you know, there is another school to the north of us that we're, they were laughing. You know, we're, we're CUSA now. We're big time. And now they're uh, they're just sitting there stuck, going, "Oh my gosh, what what predicament are we in now?" Uh, you know, look, enjoy. All I'm saying is, look, man, enjoy, enjoy your showdown Saturdays in Ruston against Jacksonville State for your conference championship. That's really all I have to say about that. It'll never get old that their former AD, who made the infamous comments that we always make fun mm-hmm. of, and has basically become the it's the poster he's the poster boy of this terrible transition for Kusa. He 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 literally left them a year ago to go be the janitor's maintenance manager at uh, Vanderbilt. So he's not even there anymore. He's working cafeteria lines, man. It's this uh it, hey, it, hey, it couldn't have gotten remember, any better. We have to pay a premium to get in the conference USA, okay? Got to pay a premium. If you want to get in, you got to pay a premium. So, I'm sure New Mexico State and Jacksonville State and Sam Houston and Liberty, I'm sure they're uh, they're pulling out those checkbooks to pay that premium to get in. Good Lord. All right, we're going to set up the weekend for you guys. Texas State going to Appalachian State for three this weekend. South Alabama going to Georgia State. Have a three-game set in Atlanta. Little Rock is going to visit the metropolis of Troy. They do have a very nice ballpark, though. I'll give them that. Uh, obviously, Georgia Southern coming here. Coastal going to Arkansas State. They'll probably score a lot of runs. It's going to be a lot of runs scored in that in that set, I think. ULM going to travel over to Dallas. What's that, like a three-hour drive? Going to play UT Arlington, in which is probably going to be the series that is paid least attention to in the conference this weekend. I would probably say if there's going to be one outside of our matchup with Georgia Southern, I would look at Texas State and Appalachian State. Appalachian State's a decent baseball team. Texas State having to make the the East Coast trip. You never know. Texas State has played great baseball up to this point. Um, But they did show a little bit of chink in the armor this past week, especially with that loss to Sam Houston. I want to see how they rebound from that uh, going forward. But good conference slate this weekend. Conference baseball is healthy like we we mentioned earlier. 
this this is a this is a pretty interesting point in the season for a lot of teams. Yeah, I'm with you on the the Texas State, but really I'm going to be looking at the South Alabama Georgia State because South Alabama's come kind of reeling right now um, after after we beat them two out of three. So I'm interested to see how they respond this weekend with that Georgia State game. That'll be interesting. Agreed. We broke them. I'm just going to roll with that narrative. Cajuns broke South Alabama. <laughs> we broke Calvi. <laughs> or maybe the officiating broke Calvi. I don't know. Oh, my Lord. Hey, look. How, how bad was the umpiring crew? Oh. But, but look, it's, it's, it's the same song and dance. I mean, how many times do we have to say that every, every weekend series about the umpiring? And now that, we're only, that we have a three-man crew, it's only, I hate to say it, not to be pessimistic, but it's, I feel it's only going to get worse. But in spite of that, look, the, the schedule, you, you still, now the teams are starting to beat each other up. At the same time, you still want, uh, you still want good competition across the conference. And I think you're going to get some parity. Um, you know, this is the weekend where you start to see it more, more often than not, but you know, South Alabama goes to Georgia state. Look, don't, don't think for one second, Georgia state can't take care of business against them. Um, you know, I mean, and I hope we don't break them. I want them to win, right? The more they win, the more it helps us with our RPI and our strength of schedule. So, and then when it's our time to go play Georgia state, we take care of business against them as well. But again, you have a team that, you know, what is it? They shut, they beat Clemson and they, they take care of business against some good competition in the, in the, in the non-conference. They're a tough draw. They're a tough draw. And I think South Al has to, uh, what, they have to go there, right? So <laughs> they got their work cut out for them this weekend. But we're going to see if they bounce back after their uh, their series loss against us. We'll see. Agree. Just hope they all keep their RPI up. That's important for everybody. Exactly. We're going to talk about basketball just for a minute because some news has come out over the past week. We have a few transfers to mention. Uh, Trajan Wesley is going to be moving on. He hasn't really declared plans, but he is in the portal. If I remember, am I reading that right? He's in the portal as of yesterday. So, you know, a little bit of interesting news. He's played plenty of minutes. I thought that Trajan spearheaded a couple of victories for the Cajuns last season. So, I mean, you can't really quantify going forward, but I think that uh, I think Trajan could have – he had a spot on this team to, to be productive. So, that's a loss. Ty Harper, we all kind of thought that he had one foot out the door after he didn't get enough playing time here in our view, or in my view. Um, so he's also going to be transferring. But the big news today, Theo Akuba. Uh, I think he was an all-defensive selection last year in the Sun Belt. You know, he's played some significant minutes for Bob and this basketball team. He is foregoing his final year of eligibility to pursue professional career. You know, we wanted to retain Bob and do the farewell thing, and part of that was because we thought we'd keep the roster intact. Now we're hearing rumors that Jordan Brown's not necessarily going to be staying. What do you guys think about the roster going forward? Those are some pretty decent losses, but Theo is – that's that's big news. Well, one of the things that carried us in the Sunbelt tournament were the bigs. Um, that defensive presence in the paint with the Kuba, Brown, and Duguay were, were huge in helping us uh, – get get to the championship so you know our identity last year were the bigs were the big guys and so I think that's going to really affect us since Duque's graduating and Akuba I know there's options for Akuba to come back but in just my opinion without spreading any rumors in my opinion I, I do think that there are other options for him as well to go to the G League or go to Europe so I think it's all about money for at, at this point with him if he's offered something decent he may just take the money and run I don't know or he may come back. That would be the best option or for us at least. But if he does decide to take the next step, 
uh, you just lost two bigs. So that's going to be, that's going to be some, some, some problems there. And I think we're going to have to make up in size for losing those two guys. But um, I, that was kind of a shocker. I thought he would come back. Trajan Wesley, look, man, he, he maximized his potential here. He did everything he could. He contributed in the best way possible. I wish that that kid the best of luck. Uh, class act, great kid, you know, did everything right. And he really played his heart out for at this level, even um, for what he was able to, to do. So thanks for his time. And I wish him whatever, wherever he goes, best of luck. And of course, Ty Harper was kind of disappointing because we all saw the potential in him, but sometimes he's just not a fit. Well, so, so, did, so like did national people because he was a top yeah. 100 ESPN RPI. I'm sorry, not RPI, Look. ESPN recruit, top 100 yeah. in the country. So best of luck to him. Um, but we're going to have a little bit of roster turnover again this year, and we're going to see what we can do to, to replace him because next year, I mean, look, we, we got some some big guys to replace. Wait, time, out, some, time out, time out, time out. Roster turnover? Replacing. Weren't we sold on keeping him because we wouldn't have roster turnover? That We were. I mean, that's, what that, we were told. That's, what, that's what we were told. We're keeping Marlon so that we keep the roster, and here we go. Um, that was my fear. And, and the biggest fear of all of this was that we lose players. And then how do you recruit to replace when you don't even know if a coach is going to be here two, three, four years down the road. That's, that's what I was scared of happening and it's happening. So um, little concerning will be, will be interesting to see how they proceed. Man, I tell you what. First man, I tell you what in a long time. It's good to be back. Man, I tell you what. Spring sports brings many options of competition for our fan base. Baseball, softball, track, tennis, golf, basketball, and even some spring football. It's a fun weekend when I can check numerous scores of simultaneous matchups across the board. But outside of Cajun sports, there's many other options as well. MLB has started spring training. The U.S. soccer team just qualified for the 2022 World Cup. The NBA is about to go into playoff mode. And of course, this weekend, the finale of March Madness. Which brings me to this point. This coming weekend, the Final Four will be played two hours to the east of us in New Orleans. We will see which of the four remaining teams can be one to have that one shining moment when it is time to cut down the nets and hold up that trophy as national champions. Now, I'm sure your personal brackets have not been too friendly at this point, but why is that? We have seen a countless number of upsets like we do every year, but of course, who will ever forget that magical run by St. Peter's? a small school in New Jersey with a small enrollment, a small basketball budget, a small gym, and a head coach who made a small salary. I say made because his run gave him a quote-unquote promotion, if you will, to Seton Hall, where he is now the head coach. But seeing this magical run makes me ask the one question, which is kind of the topic of what I'm about to talk about, and that is, why not us? Now, now, Before you get on me, I'm not exclusively referring to just our basketball programs. This type of mindset is aimed at all of our sports. Every student athlete who wears the Louisiana jersey. Why can't that, why can't we be the ones making that run during March Madness? Why can't we be the ones making the run to Omaha or Oklahoma City in June? Why can't we be the ones vying for that playoff spot during the college football playoff? Again, Why not us? When I see Cincinnati play Alabama in the college football playoff, when I see James Madison making a run in the college softball world series, 
when I see Cal State Fullerton doing their thing playing for a spot in Omaha, which seems like every other year, or as I said before, when I see St. Peter's making an Elite Eight run, I tend to picture our teams in those situations and wonder what would it be like to be in that position to hold up that national championship trophy. Now, I'm sure some of you are listening and thinking to yourself, come on, Jerry, let's be real. We can't do that here. But is it wrong to think big? Is it necessarily a bad thing to aim high? Take our football team, for example. A few years ago, we would have all rolled our eyes at the idea of being ranked in the top 25. Well, not only were we ranked for one season, we were ranked for two seasons in a row to where a P5 school scooped up our head football coach. Again, an accomplishment once thought to be an impossibility around here. Speaking on our behind enemy lines segment during football season, how many times did we hear people from other schools say we were the team circled on their calendar? Who would have thought that would have ever happened 20 years ago? Or how about we talk about our 2000 and 2014 runs in baseball? The 2000 season where not only did we finish third nationally in Omaha, but also eliminated the national number one seed in their stadium to get there. And of course, we all remember the 2014 season where we finished the regular season ranked number one in every single poll leading up to regionals. Or how about the countless World Series appearances in softball, wherever we have become in softball what Gonzaga is in basketball, which is a mid-major powerhouse that has gained the respect of many major universities to the point where they don't even think twice before making a trip to Lafayette to come play us. All I'm saying is that there's no reason why we can't share in the same achievements as other teams that I would consider our peers. Heck, some of which have less resources than we do. Let's face it. As a fan base, we have experienced much disappointment at times. I get that. But I don't think that should stop us from being that teams or the team that others fear. So, to, so I say this to the administrators, coaches, players, and fans who are listening right now. Let's think big. Let's aim high because at the end of the day, as I see other programs accomplish great feats on the national stage, I just can't help but ask the question, why not us? Can I tell you what? Beautifully done. Good to be back. We, we, I missed that segment. It's a, it's, a, it's a part of the pod now. It has to be done. Of um, course, of course. Oh, my pleasure. I like it, man. It's good. I like it. It's good for the, the, the boomers love it. We get, <laughs> we get lots of notes. Uh, but no, on a more serious note, a little bit of, of news before you guys head out to the park on this beautiful Friday. The World Cup draw just happened for you soccer fans out there. Um, group B for the Raging Cajuns. Sorry, for the USMNT. I was about to say, man, we got promoted. <laughs> yeah, I got Cajuns on the brain. <laughs> got a men's soccer team, and we're playing in the World Cup. Cajuns on the brain. So, uh, yeah, our draw is England, Iran, and the dreaded Euro playoff. Wales and Scotland are those two teams. So good luck to the boys, the Yanks, as they call them. And uh, the last thing I'll say is no Tiger news yet. There has been no Tiger sighting. We don't know if he's going to play in the Masters. What we do know is, if he does, it's going to be freaking fantastic. Guys, great episode. Thanks for coming again. Everybody, go out to the park, support your team, buy concessions, give, give, give. Do everything you can. We'll see you next time. Go, you, go.